You Are More, a podcast to inspire vision, hope, passion, and enlightenment to help facilitate and move you forward in all that you are called and created to both do and be on this earth. You are more. Welcome to my podcast, You Are More. I'm your host, Amy, and I am so excited to be here with you today. We're going to take things a different direction, and I have the distinct honor and privilege of having someone who's been in my world for almost 20 years, maybe longer. Well, actually a lot longer, but in my work world, like 20 years. Um, Anna Coffrin, uh, she's our sales manager at Amy Wieners Real Estate. But most people don't know that we actually, Anna grew up next to me, yep. right? So she and my sister, Steph, were buddies. I was obviously older than she is. Um, so I was kind of, I just knew of her really. I wasn't like friends with her, right? Right. She was my sister, my younger sister's younger friend. Right? right. So anyway, so I've known her family though, for like 30 years, probably longer. Oh my gosh. This wow. is dating me. <laughs> okay. Longer than that guys. But I want to talk to you about something because Anna has walked through, like we know Anna around uh, our, in, in our environment, Anna's our rah, rah cheerleader girl, right? She's our sales manager. She's your pump your tires. She's your get her done and all that. But most don't know the things that Anna and Neil have walked through and how they have overcome. And so we're going to kind of shine the light on some things. Um, many of you might be listening to this podcast and you've had declarations made over your life by a doctor. Maybe there's been a proclamation of a health crisis of, of some diagnosis of something. And you, you went to the bank on it. You took it as like, this is my life and I don't know what else to do. And I guess this is my sentence. And that's where we gonna, we're going to, knock on Anna's mind a little bit, knock on that door because she has an incredible story. It's, it's one of faith. It's one of hope. It's one of overcoming. And I know that you're going to look at it. I hope you can take from it and say, man, I can use that. If she can do it, I can do it too. So welcome, Anna. Thanks, Amy. This is exciting. Um, and by the way, I just spontaneously pulled her out of our office and said, I want you to share your story. So here she is. So she's here. We go. We're going for it. There's nothing rehearsed. There's nothing scripted here. So Anna, I'm going to just like do that. So you were 20 years old, right? And you went through spinal meningitis. I did. When I was in college, I had spinal meningitis. In my mind, this I'm connecting the dots with that. But it was shortly after that, that I stopped getting my period. Okay. And that's when I went and told the doctors like, Hey, I'm thrilled but I'm not getting my period anymore. And so that's when they made the diagnosis. When yeah. I was, I was almost 21, but I was in my twenties. And they told me that you have gone through premature or premature ovarian failure, which basically means menopause at uh -huh. an early age. Uh -huh. And they said that you will not be able to have children. So I don't want to ruin the story, but she has two kids, right? So for many of you that know her, she has two children. But the proclamation, the declaration, I was actually around her world when that came down. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had just sold us our first house. Yeah, she and her, she and her boyfriend at the time, yep. Neil, right? Yep. Who's her now husband. Mm -hmm. um, they had been high school boyfriend and girlfriend, right? All mm -hmm. through college, high school, everything. And she gets word that, hey... Kids are off the table at 21. Anna, was, were, were kids always a dream of yours? For sure. I think that for most people, like it just is an assumption, right? It's just an assumption that that's what you're going to do at some point. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily have a desire at that moment to be pregnant or have children, but I knew that that was definitely a part of my future. Yeah. 
And when they told me that that was not a thing, that was quite a shock. How did you respond to it? Well, I had a few, I mean, like I had a few, they were short. Like, and I think that part of me being like, I say young and dumb, but like there's some naivety to being that young. Mm -hmm. That I had a few panicked moments of like, what the heck? And I was devastated. Mm -hmm. But I quickly became pretty convinced Mm -hmm. that I was not going to let that doctor, which I respected, but I was not going to let that doctor determine my future. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting in that office thinking it was kind of like you're in a movie. It's like, it's not really happening to you, but you're like witness to it. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of out of my body as they're telling me these words. And I remember leaving, being pretty upset, telling your boyfriend who, again, we were not engaged yeah. Right. Like, but we had planned. I mean, why wouldn't we? We'd been together for so long. I knew that that was both of us, our hearts. We'd not yeah. yet talked about it. But now to tell him like, hey, so we kind of thought maybe someday we'd get married and have a family. And they just told me that you can't. So that threw a ripple even in our relationship. Yeah. As to like, what are we signing up for? Yeah. But something- especially for Neil, who loves kids. Yes. He's the, the most kid loving guy I know. For sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, we're so young to like think we have to make a decision about this now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I kind of had short fleeting moments of he's going to leave me. Mm -hmm. Like why why would he marry somebody that can't give him children that he had planned on having? Right. Um, I had that moment that, that fear hit me, Mm -hmm. but I quickly got, I don't even know where it came from. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had known the Lord, your, your, um, sister Steph that mm-hmm. was my buddy like I had gone to youth group with her all mm-hmm. through like middle school and I had a deep faith that I had a relationship with the Lord that I talked to him like he was my friend mm-hmm. and I remember quickly stepping into that but no one really told me to mm-hmm. it must have just naturally happened but I quickly stepped into it and I developed a confidence mm-hmm. it was strange even my mother-in-law now mm-hmm. who I was close with her then she didn't I mean I was pretty young to be her son's girlfriend, right? But she, we were in each other's life. And she tells the story now that she could not believe that such confidence came out of this 20-something that was basically starting to tell doctors what to, what for. Mm-hmm. In a respectful way, obviously. But like, no, that's not going to be my story. So I quickly developed kind of a confidence that like, I'm not going to let you tell me. So so you get the, the, the proclamation or the diagnosis, premature ovarian failure, you're through menopause, kids aren't possible. What was your next step? Well, so Neil and they sent us to, this was local. Mm-hmm. And so I questioned things mm-hmm. and I said, I don't really think that's the case. Like I want to bring Neil into this conversation with me. And they said, why don't we refer you down to Iowa city? Mm-hmm. And so they sent us to Iowa city for an appointment. Mm-hmm. We, and we spent the whole day down there with these amazing people mm-hmm. did all kinds of ultrasounds and, and better testing than than we had here locally. And they told us the same, the same thing. Mm-hmm. They said that, um, you, you have, you, they said you have a womb that would be able to carry children, yeah. but you don't have any eggs. Like your, yeah. your ovaries are empty. They, mm-hmm. they actually said they're shoveled up like raisins is the way they described them to me. And they said that you're not, you do not have any eggs left. Wow. That you have, you, you could potentially get egg donors mm-hmm. and carry, but you don't have any eggs left. Yeah. And we laughed and back then we didn't, didn't even have like cell phones. You know, now <laughs> we, we had a cell phone that was like an emergency phone that we yeah. left in our car. Yeah. So Neil and I walked back to the parking ramp 
we got in the car and we had a missed phone call from his brother. Uh-huh. And on that exact same day that they had told us, like, confidently, you do not have eggs. Mm-hmm. We got the phone call that our first nephew was born. Wow. So we drove in complete silence um, from Iowa City to Covenant, where we got to meet our first nephew, the first grandson on that in the Coffrin family. And it was such a bittersweet day because uh-huh. here, here's life that we're celebrating. Mm-hmm. And we were just told that we wouldn't have that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the next couple of months kind of became, I, I mean, we didn't research. We just, I had planted. Okay. So Amy had sold us, you sold us our first house uh-huh. over on Easton Avenue. And we were just like pumped and we did not know what we were doing, but we were just doing projects because we were homeowners. And I love tulips, and so I decided I'm going to plant me some tulips. This was before we had had the diagnosis, right? Like yeah. We, I planted tulips because I was going to have them, and I had no idea what I was doing, and, of course, I was too confident to ask for help or assistance. So I just started digging <laughs> holes and dropping those bolts in. And I remember my mom joked with me, and she had said, you know, those, you planted those suckers way too deep. Those, those are not coming up. And... That was long before, and she wasn't being mean. She was just kind of laughing at me that I had done that. And I went home, and I was having a moment. I was sitting on our deck, bawling, talking to God, trying to figure out, like, what do I do? Yeah. And I looked down, and mm-hmm. those tulips had popped through. <laughs> those tulips had popped through. And that was, like, and forever I can remember that yeah. that moment, that those tulips had popped through the ground. And I thought, okay, Lord, where, where my mom and loving joking fashion had told me, whoa, you probably buried those suckers too deep. They're probably not coming up. It was like a a similar thing where like, okay, she had thought that Uh and yet here they did. They popped Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. They did what they're supposed to do. They pushed through the Mm -hmm. earth and they bloomed into beautiful flowers. Uh Like, why should I just believe? I kind of had resigned myself to the tulips weren't going to come up. Right. I mean, I, I wasn't upset about it, but I kind of thought, okay, well, next time I'll know not to do that. Right. And here they are bursting through the earth. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment that I thought, no, no. All things are possible. I'm, I'm having. And so I said, Lord, I remember telling him, I said, Lord, if you, as silly as this sounds, my conversation with God that day on the deck was, Lord, if you made these tulips come up when I thought they weren't going to, you will put babies in my womb. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that means, but mm-hmm. here's this 21 year old pipsqueak sitting on a deck somewhere yeah actually over there on easton avenue yeah and i said i believe you yeah so let's figure it out i want to stop you for a second so much of life is your ability like faith rose in you hope rose in you right yeah when hope rises it can attach to faith you sat there without hope you saw that pop up the impossibilities god's goodness to you Mm -hmm. just showing you Right. Mm -hmm. And it caused hope to come forth, which attaches to faith. Totally. And you're like, okay, all right. I have no idea, God, how this is ever going to be possible for us. I have no idea, but I believe. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that, like that process. Well, and I think that, again, like the longer we go through life and you kind of deal with like the ups and downs, I think it's unfortunately easier for us to like grab hold of the doubt. Mm-hmm. and drop the faith. So mm-hmm. I think that in that first round, um, my first pregnancy, I think it was easier for me to have faith because I kind of was just naive to, um, I hadn't been through a lot of ups and downs. This was my first, it was a significant 
mm-hmm. significant down, but it was the first thing I kind of accomplished or had to walk through. So grabbing hold of faith was not that hard for me to accomplish. Like, I don't know why that was, but like, it just rose in me that I was like, so confident. So, so tell me this, let's, let's back up. So you go to Iowa city, they said, well, we'll give you what they do that they give you some hormones or do something to try to see if there's anything they could save. Well, at first they told me no. Yeah. With Carly, they, they, Carly's my daughter, uh, my firstborn. And she, they said, no, there's just nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And so I came back to um, Waterloo uh-huh. and in my, in my complete faith mm-hmm. decided to start researching. Mm-hmm. I remember reading magazines. That was again, back Back in the day, years, yeah. years ago, I was buying magazines at Barnes and Noble about health. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talk like researching what I should eat and not eat wheat germ and drink this and don't drink that and just try to support your hormones. Uh-huh. And we just, I just started believing and mm-hmm. I started making declarations and I started just visual. I mean, I remember visualizing like, no, I'm going to have a nursery. Mm-hmm. I'm going to set up a nursery like this. And when we had bought our house, like we had planned, like this will be a nursery. So I would go in that room and be like, yeah, this, this is going to be a nursery. And I just started believing it. Mm-hmm. And I just stepped out in faith. And I was talking to God, like constantly in my car, mm-hmm. driving around. Mm-hmm. I was just telling him, thank you that you have the final say. I don't know how I came into contact with you in this period. I, don't I know called if- you. Okay. I called you bawling. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm like, I don't know exactly how I got involved in this situation, but I remember like, let's just put your hands on your stomach. Yeah. Let's put your hands in your womb and just start thanking God that you're car- mm-hmm. you have babies. You're carrying them to full term. You're pregnant. It's easy. Mm-hmm. And we started just like coming to agreement with just laying your hands on your body. Yep. Right. We, call, we called Amy. Neil and I were like, what should we do? We called you. She showed up with her coffee cup, lipstick stain on her coffee <laughs> cup, sat in the living room and prayed with us. Uh-huh. And yeah, I started making declarations. I didn't really know at the time, like the power of those declarations, right. but you had told me to do that. And then I just was, I was speaking that uh-huh. I was standing in that, that bedroom declaring it was going to be a nursery. Mm-hmm. And I just was really, so I, I didn't, at this point was not going back to the doctor because they had told me that the road was, oh, it was, we were at the end of the road. Guys, do you hear this? So there's a key here. She had gone into that bedroom and called it a nursery. There's action steps to your faith that if you put yourself out there, like it draws faith to you. I remember when I was, you know, in a, in a season that I had not dated for forever. I went and bought a fake ring guys. Like I'm going to buy the ring. We're going to buy the baby bed. We're going to go take the step of faith. We're going to go take the action step to connect with the faith, right? Um, So you walking into the nursery, calling it a nursery, every day driving around, putting your hands on your body, declaring you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. You're you're carrying babies to full term. They're perfect, right? Right. How long did that go on? It honestly was fairly quick. Mm -hmm. Like I would say it was probably three or four months later Mm -hmm. that I had a dream that I was Mm -hmm. pregnant. Mm-hmm. and I went and took a test. Neil was at work and it was positive. And, um, so like I was not even surprised. Yeah. I was not even surprised. He was a little more surprised than me because, um, I was the one that was so determined in this, but we called the doctor's office and they said, Oh honey, that's probably a false positive. Yeah. Like we are so sorry that that happens. It's just probably not it's probably not. Why don't you come in and let's do a blood test to just make sure they really were discouraging me over the phone. Yeah. 
that it probably was false. Mm-hmm. And I showed up at the hospital, they did the blood work at the time. I just sat there. Like yeah. I, it was just a few minutes yeah. later and they brought me back and they said, we don't know how you did it. Yeah. It, you must've had one last rogue egg in there. Yeah. But you did it. You were yeah. pregnant. Yeah. And so that was kind of a miracle. And they kind of made it seem like for a short minute, the way that they described it to me and it's not their fault. I, yeah. It's, I so appreciate everyone in the medical field. But in that moment, like it took away from that it was God. Mm-hmm. The way that they described it to me was like, oh, there was one last egg. We just missed it. And yeah, like they didn't tell me God didn't do anything, but the way that they had described it to me. Yeah. And for a minute, I kind of believed that for a second. Mm-hmm. And then I remember going back and sitting on, this was all kind of in the summer where we were outside a lot. I remember sitting on that deck and I'm like, no, Lord, this was totally, mm-hmm. this, this was, was totally, totally you. you. Yeah, totally you. It's so, it's such a, it's so interesting. It's such a miracle um, when you think about it, what you walk through, the doubt, the, the, uh, the declarations, the, the, the decrees that all th- not possible, not possible, not possible, but the power of your faith and your hope grabbed a hold. Mm-hmm. That hope was an anchor that grabbed hold that literally moved you into um, a believing position that you could, that something could happen it was deemed impossible. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. Like, I don't even want to talk to you, but I just want to tell you all things are possible. All things are changeable. All things are possible. All things are changeable. Okay. So you get through, you have one child, but they say, Hey, a second one's not coming. Nope. Yep. Right. So through the whole pregnancy, they were like, what a miracle. What a miracle. This is amazing. You know, what a great testimony that you guys were able to make this happen that multiple people told us like, you guys are just going to be a family of three, but what's so great. And I was just unwilling to like necessarily believe that. Mm -hmm. I didn't fight them at the moment, but I didn't really take that in and, and believe it. Hey, that's a key guys. When someone says something to you that you're like, yeah, I don't accept that. Like many of us have had diagnoses or, or, and here's the thing. They're coming from well-meaning, well-intended professionals, but you've had someone say something that's a declaration and on the inside, you went, uh-uh, not my story. Uh-uh, not my story, right? When you don't take the words, you don't consume the words, you don't let it drop into your spirit, you have so much more power to change things. Mm-hmm. So we, after Carly was born, when I went back to my checkup, they told me, they're like, hey, just FYI, if you want to try for any, you should do it really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, you should do it right now, and we should do some hormone kind of therapy. So we were like, okay, we'll do that. And so they gave us shots. Like we had this series of two weeks of shots that Neil had to give me at home. And it was supposed to take my levels and like take them off the charts. Yeah. And I don't remember what all the numbers were supposed to be, but it was going to supposed to go from like single digits up to soaring, soaring numbers. Yes. And so we did the shot rounds and we went in and they were like, whoa, we have um, to tell you that it went backwards. My numbers went down. They did not go up, they went down. And so we said, okay, Lord, we are going to just trust you. Mm -hmm. I I remember having another conversation. Neil and I were on a walk with Carly and I just said, Hey, we're going to trust God. We trusted God last time. Yep. We are going to trust God this time. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to believe that we are going to have our families, not just the three Mm -hmm. and whatever that looks like, we're just going to believe God for it. Mm -hmm. And I let it go. Mm -hmm. I, I would still make declarations, but like my, I let the fear of like me controlling it go. Mm -hmm. And I started, like, I wrote notes, like I would have post-it notes on the window or on the mirrors that said, like, you're pregnant. Thank God that I'm pregnant. I did the same thing. I would drive around. I would 
speak to my, I would put my hands on my stomach and declare I was pregnant long, mm-hmm. like for, this was probably for a year mm-hmm. that I was making those declarations. And there was one time my husband works um, for the fire department. He works overnight, 24 hours. And there was a, a pastor that had come to town that was preaching on healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was doing a special night service. And I called my mother-in-law and I said, Hey, can you babysit Carly? Yeah. Cause your son, my husband is at work. Yeah. I'm going to head to church and get pregnant. Yeah. And she said, you're going to do what? <laughs> I said, I'm going to head to church and get pregnant. There's a guy there that's pre- preaching on healing and they're going to have this healing service. And so I headed in and it was, I don't, I mean, I think it's a combination of things I did get prayer from, from people that night, but it just kind of strengthened my faith mm-hmm. and my belief in what I, what my desire of my heart was. Mm-hmm. And it was probably, well, I was working with you at this point. Now I'm working with Amy and I was like so tired and exhausted, exhausted all the time. I was sure I had mono and I told Amy, Hey, I'm going to go get tested for mono. I like can't stay awake at mm-hmm. any point. And I went in and they tested me for mono. They did not even tell me that they had tested me for a pregnancy test. And she came back in the room and she said, okay, so you don't have mono, but you do are, but you are pregnant. And I was like, I'm what? And again, this is still a million years ago when we yeah. don't have cell phones. Yeah. So Amy and I had cell phones for work. So <laughs> I am calling and Amy knows I'm pregnant before my husband even does because he's not home where the home phone is. <laughs> and so I'm racing home. I pull in the driveway bawling and he thinks I'm going to tell him something wrong. Is, is something's wrong with me. And I let him know there that we were expecting again. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Kale Michael mm-hmm. as a baby. Yeah. Carly and Kale actually. But miracle upon miracle. I always wondered how come I showed up at the hospital with Carly. Yeah, I don't know but how you You know what? But here's the thing. The reason I showed up, because uh, I felt like I was a part of it. Yeah, but I mean, like, I I'm don't like, know let's pray over you. you. I don't know who told me either, but I'm just praying over you. Yeah. Like in the fight with you, like agreeing with you that, that all things are changeable. Yeah, we didn't have Facebook back then. <laughs> we didn't none have none of that. We that. were in the hospital and, I showed and Amy up there. showed up and she brought me clothes from the baby gap. And that was so cool. And yeah. you were there and then you were actually in the room when Kale was born. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a miracle, of- miracle upon miracle. But, but for those of you that are struggling because you've had something declared over you, there's some, there's something that's been spoken that that's full of impossibility. Anna, what would you say to that person? Well, I would say it all starts in your core. It all starts in, in your gut and your heart and your your willingness mm-hmm. to not participate. And Amy said that to me multiple times a year. And I love that thought. Mm-hmm. Like I'm choosing not like I have a choice. Mm-hmm. I get to decide. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not a victim. I'm not a victim. I get to participate or mm-hmm. not participate in mm-hmm. a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was choosing not to participate in what they had told me. Yeah. And I did not know how. I did not know what. I was not angry. I was not mad. But I was very determined. I right. was going to be creating something different for my life. Uh-huh. And it all comes from a deep, like, you cannot convince me of anything different. So what would you say to somebody who's been walking through impossibility? They're discouraged. They don't know what to do. Right. And it looks impossible to them. I, th- I think that the biggest thing you can do is, I guess I'm going to give you permission, be a little rebellious. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be the victim. You don't have to take on the title that they gave you. Like in a sense, they're giving you a name or a title and whatever that is, whether it's health or it could be a million other things in your relationships and your finance and your work, what, whatever it is, you don't have to participate. One of the greatest lessons I've learned from you, and it's, we've applied it in so many things 
in our business and in just in life is choosing not to participate in whatever's coming at us that we get mm-hmm. a say. Mm-hmm. We have a say. And when you have the hope that I find in Jesus, when you have a hope that you can tie it to something that is much bigger than me, mm-hmm. I have courage. Mm-hmm. You can have courage to stand up and say, I don't choose to participate in this. You can be rebellious in a sense where you can say, I'm going to walk a different path than what mm-hmm. someone has predetermined for me. Mm-hmm. And so whatever that is for you. I mean, here's the thing. My mom and dad have done it in their marriages. Like they're in their marriage. Like we're not going to go down the path of how we were raised. Right. We're making a, a decision to consciously choose something different. You made a decision that I'm not going to believe the report. I'm going to re- believe the report of the Lord. We're having children. Right. So I would say to you guys, all things are changeable. Let, let hope be that anchor in your heart. That's what my wish for you today is that you would have hope that you, that this podcast would give you courage. That would give you confidence. It would give you hope that all things are changeable. No matter what the decree is, all things are changeable. Always remember this. You are more, you have breath in your body. So you're on here. You're, you're on this earth for a purpose. You are more.